All right, we back. ESPN 97.5, and you are listening to Moneyline with Josh Jordan and my co-host over here, Jerry Bow. And uh, last segment, we got into some DFS stuff. And I think, man, I gave a little strategy, but, man, Jerry had some really good stuff there. I hope you guys were listening. So we had some good strategies on DFS. Here we are going to get into our running back funeral. And this segment is just basically about the insane amount of injuries to running backs we're dealing with this year. So uh, we'll start with uh, Seahawks running back, Richard Penny. Uh, he's dead. Uh, no, he's really not dead, but he did break a finger. Don't go. <laughs> Don't go. Stay away from the light, Penny. It, it's really tough because a lot of these mid-round running backs, a lot of the rookies, they are, they are dropping like flies. And these are the guys we really, really wanted to watch during the preseason so we could get an idea on on where we want to draft them and what they look like with their new team. So uh, I send my condolences there to the Penny family. Uh, broken finger. Hopefully he will be back at the start of the season. Uh, could be Chris Carson maybe being the guy there. Penny, I love you. <laughs> no, Penny. You're my boy, Blue. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Saquon Barkley, he had so much talent. We we had such high hopes for Saquon. People are taking him in the first round of the draft. Well, his leg fell off. I love you. (laughs) Maybe his leg didn't fall off, but he did pull a hamstring. And once again, I think at least with Saquon Barkley, you think you know what you're getting with him. You know, he's a a Zeke Elliott type of prospect, and he should be in in a good situation. So he should have a good year, but... You know, that's not great with the hamstring pull. And then we'll stay right there in the NFC East with, you know, Geis went down with the ACL. So another rookie running back we had high high hope for us, right? This one breaks my heart. This one really does. <laughs> he uh, he was such a good kid. <laughs> He's such a good person, and we'll miss him. It's, we send our condolences to the family and the Redskins family as well. And Samaj P. Ryan on the same team, he got banged up the other day. I'm telling you, maybe Rob Kelly really late is a flyer, but yeah. this Redskins backfield is probably one to avoid if you can. He's over there with his non-fat yogurt just, just eating it down. <laughs> Rob Kelly just waiting for opportunity. And then Isaiah Crowell. He was a late-round guy that I was kind of starting to like for the Jets because, I mean, he's dirt cheap. I mean, you can get him like 10th, 11th round sometimes. And then he makes an incredible play, and it looks like, oh, man, he's going to be the guy. What does he do on that touchdown play? Concussion. And Crowell, he's uh, typically been a headache year in, year out of consistency. What is he hurting now? Headaches. Headaches. And, man, he's a guy that – a lot of people pushed him last year. I mean, they pushed him hard as a mid-round pick. He's going to be great. And I would like to say I first guessed that when I was not a Crowell guy last year. And he didn't really come to bite me because I kind of avoided him because I thought he was overvalued last year. And now this year I was like, maybe I'm in on him because he's dirt cheap. But here it is with the head injury. So we'll see. He's probably still going to t- uh, share touches there with Bilal Powell. So uh, something to keep an eye on. And then more injuries uh, about Jamal Williams of the Green Bay Packers. We finally thought because of the, the Aaron Jones suspension that, all right, well, Williams is going to be the guy. We, we got a starting running back here with the Packers. Well, I mean, he didn't die, but he did hurt his ankle the other day. And- he died to me, Josh. <laughs> he died to me because with the suspension of Jones, this gave Williams a chance to make an impact and leave his stamp on the backfield and make the coaching staff have to make that decision to take him off of being back there if he did good in these first few games. But now that 
he has this little injury, and they say he's fine, and he says he'll, he'll be all right for week one, but who ultimately wins there? Ty Montgomery? It can't be him, right? No. I mean, he doesn't get that many. He's not a high-volume player. Like, he's not a player that's built to have 10 touches. Now, when he did have that stretch where he was getting those six, seven touches, he was a wide uh, running back one during that time because of his uh, catching uh, catching ability. So in PPR formats, he did score. But that's not a guy that the Packers want to go into the season as their running back. No, and we'll see what happens with Aaron Jones when he comes back. I think he might be the best pure runner, but... And the off-the-field stuff is really starting to concern me about him. Let's move on. The 49ers, we talked about this, Jarrett McKinnon. We were hoping to watch him all preseason, and and he's out. Uh, Breida, his teammate, we're not getting to see him either. Uh, Two more. They went too soon. They were too young, Jerry. Don't go. Don't go. Uh, Let's get to the Patriots. Sony Michelle hurts his knee. I was really excited about him, maybe taking that Deion Lewis role. Now, Belichick and the Patriots, man, they are hard enough to handicap just in normal circumstances. Now with this, I have no idea what to do with Sony Michelle. And then Burkhead's got a knee injury too. Yeah, he's light, slight tear. And whenever the Patriots use that word slight, I don't, I don't know to believe it or not. I don't know where they're at right now as far as backfield. And, and now it leaves people like Jeremy Hill and Gillis leads back there thinking, hey, this is my opportunity. And I don't want that opportunity on my team. No, I'm with you there, and I did a little research, and it, they said it's a slight tear, which it, it could be like a slight tear to an MCL, which some guys play through, no big deal. Uh, I believe it was a doctor I was reading this on, on one of these websites. If it's to the outside of the knee, that can be something that just kind of heals on its own in a couple weeks, but it could also be something more serious, so you just don't know. And then the, the final guy, Marlon Mack for the Colts, you know, he, got, he was hurt last year, continuing the theme, so we don't really get to see him this year that backfield is a big who knows what's going to happen so overall we just kind of wanted to do a running back funeral because all of us that love fantasy and we want to get an idea about these rookie running backs and just some of the guys on on new teams and we wanted to see them with their new teams well they're dead and we didn't get to see them and most of them aren't coming back to the regular season so they just made our jobs a whole lot more difficult and they will be missed um Condolences to the families and to the owners that uh, drafted did, uh, too early this year. Yeah. Don't don't draft too early. If you took guys, I'm sorry. Um, we're actually up against it again. We're going to hit a break. But, Matt, we see you. We are going to hit you on the other side of the break. We'll get your question on Doug Martin. You are listening to Moneyline with Josh Jordan and Jerry Bow on 97.5. Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975. Instead of heading to the mall to shop for the same overpriced jewelry, why not just go see Mark Klein at Klein's Jewelry? Family owned and operated since 1969. Mark and his team take care and listen to their customers so that they can create that perfect custom piece that you're looking for. Whether it's earrings, watches, rings, bracelets, diamonds, rubies, sapphires, they have it all. Plus, they offer watch and jewelry repair. So what are you waiting for? Go see Mark Klein at Klein's Jewelry, located at 5868 Westheimer, or give him a call at 832-316-1388. 
The kids are on summer break, which is great for them, but bad news for your carpets. All the extra foot traffic is leaving your carpets full of dirt, pollen, and other allergens. Get a jump on summer cleaning right now with Dirt Free Carpets Summer Special. For a limited time, they'll clean three rooms for 100 bucks, plus give you a free speed dry. They've been doing this for over 30 years, cleaning upholstery floors, even your air ducts. Call 281-DIRT-FREE right now. Tell them you heard it here on ESPN 97.5, and they'll clean three rooms for 100 bucks and throw in a free speed dry. That's 281-347-8373 for Dirt Free Carpets. The Usual Suspects with Joel Blank and Barry Laminack. Let's face it, though. Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. None of these guys have done anything to be worthy of these contracts. Jimmy what looks it, pretty good. Oh, great. So does Deshaun Watson. You're going to give Deshaun Watson $37 million? No. None of these guys have done anything to deserve this money. What it speaks of is the lack of talent and how important the At position, position is. Sure. And how important it is. When you combine those, you start giving $15 million guaranteed to a guy like Sam Bradford. Because he had a little bit of success when he was in Minnesota. Of course he said it's encouraging because mentally he knows he can go back out there and do it. But come on, man. Look at your track record. Every year you're hurt more than you're playing. Look, the Vikings looked all world when he was playing for them for the one game he played. And then after that, it was like, boop, 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 goodbye. The Usual Suspects, weekdays from 1 to 4 on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Welcome in. We are back. Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. My co-host Jerry Bow. I am Josh Jordan. Thank you very much for tuning in to us today. If you caught a little bit of the last segment, we did a running back funeral for the incredible amount of injuries we've had to running backs already this preseason. So we kind of ran down the list of all the guys that have gone down and kind of what of our expectations are. You know, we kind of don't know. We just, you know, we get the best information we can and and you just kind of go with what's most likely to happen. So now this is a pretty cool segment here because this is where Jerry is going to give you like a, a lesson of the week with Jerry Bow. And if you know anything about Jerry Bow, he knows what he's talking about. So, Jerry, what do you have for the people this week? Keys. They're used to open things, right? They allow you to experience something on the other side. When talking about the key numbers in football, gambling, it goes as the following. The number three gains in 9% of the time by three. Seven, the game ends 6% of the time by seven. The other key numbers in football are four, six, 10, and 14. Games ended by three, four, six, seven, 10, and 14. That's 29% of the time. Games ending by 4, 6, 10, and 14. So taking out the 3 and 7, it's 14% of the time. So you ask, why is he throwing all these numbers out? Like, what are we doing? These numbers allow you to get off prime numbers, these key numbers. So when the line is released, it's called a pure line. Let's call it honest. It's released. It's driven by numbers, a computer system, analytics. Once that line is released... It goes out to the public. If you wait, if you're a better that waits towards the end of the week, by the time you get that line, it's been persuaded in whichever way that the public is seeing the game. If the, if the public is seeing it as the favorite, for example, then they, they pounded the favorite, and now the line's changed. It's not so pure now. 
It's like, you ever had a girlfriend that you date again, and when she comes back, she she kisses different? And you're like, where'd you learn that from? You know? Where'd that come from? At that point, you have to make the decision, like, is she still worth it? Is the line still worth it? Is this what I ultimately wanted? Or did I miss my chance with her the first time? Did I miss my chance with the line the first time when it first came out? Has it been persuaded? Has she been persuaded so much that I don't even want to deal with this? That's the lesson of the week. Don't bet bad numbers. If you plan on betting it, saying, hey, this is what I think is going to happen. I'm going to bet it early before anybody switches it. Take that route. If you say, hey, I want to be on Vegas' side and I want to see where the, the, the public is betting and get their perspective on it, then you wait and you try to predict where the game's going to be bet on. If the game's going to go from three to three and a half, or is it going to go from three to two and a half? Those are things that you want to know. But you have to ultimately say, hey, am I going to be an early of the week better or am I going to be an end of the week better? That's the lesson. Don't bet bad numbers. There you go. Got it right there from Jerry Bow. We said we'd get to Matt's call on the other side, so we're going to do that right now. Looks like he's calling about Doug Martin. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh, not Doug Martin. Zach Martin. I saw he got injured yesterday, so I was just kind of wondering the outlook of the Cowboys offense, if that's, you know, carries over several weeks or possibly it's really bad the rest of the year. And then I uh, just want to give some love to Jerry. Uh, you're turning me into a soccer fan. You usually just watch the World Cup, but... Uh, Appreciate everything you're doing. Appreciate you guys giving up your weekends to do this show. So uh, I'll take it offline and listen to you guys. All right. We'll get to that for you, Matt. Put him on hold so you can give him that max bet. I want to put some money in his pockets. Yeah. And if you guys have any questions, call in 713-780-3776. We also have some fantasy leagues uh, ready for the listeners. If you want to get in, we have a few spots left. Call in. We'll get you uh, hooked up. And so he was talking about the injury on the Cowboys O-line there. Um from what I read, there it's still not out yet exactly what it is. I've also heard that it initially it was a knee, but I'm also hearing that when he left, he had his ankle wrapped up. So it's not a, a lock exactly what's wrong with him. I mean, obviously, it's a huge loss if he's gone because he's he's one of the best offensive linemen on the planet. But they did take Connor Williams out of Texas in the draft. So. And I mean, I think he was already starting, I think, the left guard spot, if I remember right. So, I mean, they have some guys, but yeah, it's going to hurt them. But they're still the best offensive line on the planet. I'm still loving Zeke Elliott. It's a huge loss, but I still, I don't think you run away from the Cowboys now, you know, if you weren't before. I'd be running away from their receiving core. But, you know, Zeke Elliott, I I think he's still going to have a big year. And to touch on that, as far as the Zach Martin, what does it mean to them? I guess let's not over exaggerate what happened yet. Let's let's find out the 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 what the base of this is going to be because last year, if we remember, when Tyrone Smith started getting injured, is when they started having a little bit of problems. And yep. when we think of Dallas, we think of the Pro Bowl line, the Zach Martin, the Fredericks, the the the. I mean, they, that's what they are. That's what's allowed them to be able to run the ball so heavy lately and not have any regression, even though that Zeke sees those eight-man boxes. With I mean, this year, with the wide receiver core being so shallow, let's say, in Dallas and being such in question, don't get me wrong, now if the rookie breaks out, that's good. But what do we expect from them as a whole as a run game? Are they going to be really, really, really run heavy this year, Josh? Yeah, I I think last year, 
didn't they have the highest number in the league? They they ran it like fifty percent of the time when the Zeke is going. So what else do they have? I, I think they're going to do a little more play action with Dak. I think they're really going to miss Witten. I, I really do. Just, you know, a guy to pick up first downs with. He's not going to run past anybody, but he could, you know, get you seven yards and get you a first down. So we'll see if Gallup takes a step forward. The rookie, Cole Beasley, I think they've actually they've used him outside a little bit because, like you said, they're so shallow at wide receiver. Terrence Williams is still there, but – I mean, is there any reason to believe like he's finally going to break out now? Like, I kind of doubt it. Alan Hearns came over there from Jacksonville. You know, maybe he's the guy. Once we talk about minimizing risk, all these guys are. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. You know, that's that's not a good thing when you're trying to put money behind something. So Zeke Elliott, I'm cool with him. Even if you take him number one overall, I'm actually cool with that because. They are going to run him to death this year. Yeah, they had 480 rush attempts last year. Good for four and a half yards and uh, a carry and then 135 a game. Do I expect that to change at all? No. Will the 18 rushing touchdowns as a whole for the Cowboys change? I don't think so much. If anything, I see it growing some because remember the suspension from Elliott uh, held them down some. When he came back, just like anything, sometimes it gets you. Uh, it takes you a little bit to get going. and It ultimately lands on how much people trust Dak's arm and how much they fear it because if they don't fear it and they don't fear his weapons you, he's going to be seeing more stacked boxes I, I think that this year and I've heard from Cowboys camp that Zeke is playing on catching the ball more um, and I mean in today's day and age of football that's what's needed out of a running back no doubt about it. So I'm looking at Jerry's article here. It's on NFL futures and odds. And since we're on the Cowboys, um, it looks like the odds on the Cowboys, when you published this, which was a few days ago, they had the Cowboys at 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. What do you, what do you think about that number, Jerry? It's tough. I don't – with these public teams also, America's team, as they say, that you have that Cowboys better – Every year that's going to bet them. So when a book knows that action's coming, then they don't give you the real number. They, get, they, they skew it a little bit. In my eyes, they should be a lot higher than that because I don't see them being anywhere close to be able to win the Super Bowl, to be honest. I don't even think they'll win that division, slide in as a what a wild card maybe and go from there. But if they're at 25-30-1, they're around that Chiefs-Giants Panthers, I'd say they're more around the Ravens, Lions, and Titans, which are all around that 40 to 1 range. I think that's where more they land. But again, being America's team and they know that there, there will be action going on them, uh, the books anticipate that. Okay. Uh, we got a call here from John since we're kind of talking uh, NFC East anyway. He's got a, an Eagles question and a little soccer bet question. So, uh, hey, John, what you got for us? Uh, hi, gentlemen. Uh, wanted to thank uh, Jerry for um, all he's done uh, on posting on Twitter for all his soccer fans and and the betters and uh, he's uh, really been uh, uh, I've really enjoyed it and following him and I just wanted to thank him for uh, taking all the time out to post all the things that he does on Twitter plus I had a question about uh, the Eagles are uh, on my team, I'm from Delaware, and I uh, just wanted to uh, uh, ask you guys what you thought of uh, a couple fantasy players from the Eagles this year. I always like to pick somebody that team I like to follow. Yeah, go for it. Uh, who, who are you wanting to know about? Well, I was just wondering, what do you think the best? Uh, uh, you know, who do you think would be uh, good for my fantasy team from the Eagles? 
as far as the wide receivers? I think you could get good value with Nelson Aguilar just at the very beginning of the year because it looks like Alshon Jeffrey might start on the pup list. It's not official yet, but he might miss the first six games. So Aguilar is a guy you can get really late in your draft, and he might really come through for you. I, you know, I, I think Ajayi, it's, I don't know, fourth, fifth round, I'd feel better about him in the fifth. They just share the ball so much in that backfield. He makes me a little nervous. Um, but Aguilar is definitely a guy I'd look at. Wentz, his ADP is a little high for me right now just because we still haven't seen him, you know, coming off that injury. Jerry, what about – Go ahead. What, oh, I'm sorry. I also had a question, but what about a flyer on uh, the Eagles' third-string quarterback, Sudfeld? And that's, that's a good uh, option. We don't know what we're going to get out of Wentz as far as – Injuries are so scattered out and they're so unpredictable that we don't know what's going to happen. If there was ultimately an opportunity for someone to step up, yeah. Now, as far as drafting them, that's a little fetch, far fetch, and I wouldn't actually draft them. The guy that I like, and a lot of people are going to be on him, is Zach Ertz. And I think with Trey Burton leaving, and yeah, they do got another rookie tight end that came in, but. I think this is Ertz's moment. I think this is where Ertz gets into that. Uh, he's already in the top three, you know, tight end conversation. But I think this is where he puts a concrete. He puts his foot down and he'll never, for the f- next three or four years, you'll see Zach Ertz in the same conversations as Gronk and Kelsey. No, I agree with that. So there you go. Ertz, if you if you want him, you're going to have to grab him in the third or fourth round. So be prepared for that. And Aguilar is a guy you could, man, you might be able to get him in the 10th round. So that, that's something to keep an eye on. And, yeah, you're not going to roster any backup quarterbacks. The quarterback has never been deeper than it is this year. So there's probably some better options out there. So we're just getting started here on Moneyline. We're up against it. We're going to hit a break. But we will be back. Hold, John, so I could get you that max bet. There you go, John. Stay on hold. We'll be right back. ESPN 97.5. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline97.5. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by Klein's Jewelry. Live from the RentersWarehouse.com studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. All right, we are back. Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. Make sure you follow us at Moneyline 97.5 on Twitter. You can follow me, Josh Jordan, and my Twitter handle is at JordanPFX. And Jerry's is at JerryBowNos. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. If you want to get in some of these fantasy listener leagues, they are filling up. Call in. We got some great prizes from Klein's Jewelry. They're going to give out a pendant, I believe, for the Women's League winner and a, a championship gold ring for the Men's League winner. So, And it's free to play. Just hit Jerry and I up. You can call the show, 713-780-3776, or you can reach out to us on Twitter, and we, we'll get all you guys in there. So now we kind of wanted to get into receivers because I feel like we've really hammered running back in – I feel like we got a pretty good feel for that, but receivers kind of it gets kind of murky after that that top group of guys. And 
the, the elite guys we're talking about is Antonio Brown, Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, A.J. Green. So after those guys, those guys should all go in the second round. It's after those guys where it gets a little, eh, you know, you're, you're a little nervous. You're not as excited about the, the group after that. And that next group is going to be Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Tyreek Hill, and Hill had a big year last year, but he's got a new quarterback. Now they add Sammy Watkins. Is that going to take away from his targets? The one good thing I saw is they're using Sammy Watkins a lot in the slot, which he's usually been just an X or a guy on the boundary all the time, and he kind of got ignored a lot in that Rams offense last year. So I think with him in the slot with the Chiefs this year, he he might catch more balls. So I I think you know Sammy Watkins might be a guy to, to keep an eye on late, but it may affect Tyreek Hill because if you know Watkins is catching more balls, then that means Hill's probably not catching as many. So that's something to keep in mind. And then to round out the rest of that tier, we're talking about Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Doug Baldwin, uh, maybe Larry Fitzgerald. So in this group of guys, Jerry, uh, Tyreek Hill, Thielen, Diggs, Doug Baldwin, Amari Cooper, are any of those guys you're excited about? I like Diggs this year. I think with the improvement at quarterback, I think the ceiling for him is higher than it's ever going to be. I think with the plethora of weapons that they have in Minnesota, it makes it impossible to go ahead and just shut him down to put extra people uh, to you know to stop him. Yep. He's a boomer bust though to me though because there's some weeks where you'll see his stat line and it'll be like that. Four catches for 40 yards, and you're just wondering, why did I do this? You know what I mean? Why did I have faith in him? But then you had those weeks where he had those two touchdowns, 130 yards, and I think he came around towards the end of the year, and he started getting more comfortable with his skill set, and it's starting to show overall. I think that the Vikings, from a game script perspective, though, it might hurt him a little bit because when you have the lead, then you tend to run. And the Vikings' defense... They're awesome. We know that. So when the games get late, say that third or fourth quarter, and the Vikings are protecting a 10-point lead, does Diggs still get the stats that we were hoping for him to get? Or do they go back to, you know, do they lean more on the run and things like that? So it's something to watch out for with some of these players. I I agree. And I I believe it was uh, Greg Cosell I heard say earlier this week, another name dropped there, but, hey, the guy knows football. And he, he made a really good point that, that I really want to share with you guys. And his point was that Case Keenum is a better second reaction quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Just, you know, he's a little shiftier. And, you know, if that first line of the pass rush comes in, Case Keenum's a guy that can kind of kind of juke you real quick and then maybe be able to get off a throw and keep the play alive a little longer. So I'm not saying Case Keenum's as good as Kirk Cousins because he's not, but I am saying that the Vikings offensive line is not good. And, Kirk Cousins is going to see a lot of pressure, and he doesn't have that uh, the suddenness that Case Keenum has to kind of make a quick little move and, and get in a passing lane and make a throw and get rid of the ball. So I think there there is a little caution there with Kirk Cousins that he may not be able to deal with a you know substandard offensive line as well as Keenum did last year, even though Cousins is the better quarterback. So just keep that in mind that you know he may not have that much time to get rid of the ball. And with Diggs touching a little bit more on him, how many times was he uh, considered a wide receiver two, so top 24 wide receiver? Six times. But then when you say, hey, how many times was he in the top 12 for any given week? 
It was three times. But then you say, how many times were you a top three? Twice. So it shows you that he will have those big weeks in there. He had two of them where he was a top three receiver, but then he was only a wide receiver two six times. So it's not someone you'll technically just go every week and say, hey, I'm trusting him. He's a for sure fire. But but in certain situations and in matchups that allow him to go ahead and get all those peripheral stats. And again, a PPR score, uh, scoring formats, his, uh, his volume, his target rate is, is something that will automatically get you those extra four or five points, especially in daily fantasy where it's worth a whole point. Yeah, I'm with you there. He's a talented guy. He's another guy that gets banged up quite a bit. So he's just, he's not real big. I think he's around like 170 pounds. So, you know, he's going to get nicked up a little bit. And that, that brings me to a couple other guys I really want to look at, especially with ADP. Because it looks like Larry Fitzgerald and Amari Cooper, it looks like they're they're going right in the mid thirties. Like Larry Fitzgerald's ADP is right around thirty five, and Amari Cooper's is right around thirty six. Um, obviously, in a PPR, you're probably going to go with Larry Fitzgerald. You know, he he catches a hundred balls almost every year. You can you can take it to the bank. I'm not sure how good that offense is going to be. And then Amari Cooper is a guy's started off his career pretty good, and then he had a just an awful year last year. So. And they're both going 135 and one at 36. So if it wasn't a PPR, I might be willing to take the upside risk on Amari Cooper over Larry Fitzgerald. If it's in a PPR, I'm probably going to take the security of all the catches Larry's going to get. Where are you at on those two guys, Jerry? I try not to overreact with things that we hear in the preseason and things that come out of training camps, but... Gruden has said that the offense will revolve around Cooper. Now, can he handle that? Is that what he's made for? Is he? I mean, what is considered a great season for Cooper? Someone that's never had more than seven touchdowns in a given season. And at this point, what else do they have at the receiving court in 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 Oakland? I mean, Martavius Bryant is is a question mark. Jordy. Can he still run? I don't know. That's that's the thing. So what do we see? I mean, what is considered a great season for Amari Cooper coming off that, like I said, his highest ever in touchdowns is seven. His highest yards, 1,100, but he only had five touchdowns that year. What do you consider the baseline for him? 1,006? Yeah, something like that. I, I think this has to be his year. I mean, we saw in the past when Crabtree was there. Crabtree was the end zone guy. Cooper was the receptions and the yards guy. Now that there's no Crabtree, yes, you did add Jordy Nelson, but Jordy Nelson isn't really the touchdown guy either. I think this is Cooper's year to do both. And if he's not going to do it this year with a little bit of attention on Jordy Nelson and Martavis Bryant, then I think we've seen the peak of, of Amari Cooper, which is what Josh just said about 1,006. So. I'm with you, and... He's so young. I think this is like his what fourth year, and he's only like twenty four <laughs> years old. Yeah, you know, I think we we forget about that with Amari Cooper that maybe he's a little immature because he's younger than everybody else. He came out really early, so you know maybe this is finally the time that he's going to break out and it works with Gruden. He says he's going to make him the man. We'll see. I kind of think they have to make him the guy because, you know, I don't think Jordy's taking the top off of defenses anymore. And I know that's something Martavis Bryant can do, but is he even going to play? You know, we'll see. Uh, looks like we're up against it again. Uh, we're going to hit a break right here, and then we will be back. You are listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. 
Twitter at Moneyline975. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by Klein's Jewelry. Live from the RentersWarehouse.com studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. All right, we are back. Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. Got Jerry Bowe with me. I'm Josh Jordan. We've uh, we've kind of hit on a lot of things today. We did some DFS. I'm glad we got to that. If you want to hear Jerry's take on DFS, he had some really good tips. We talked a little strategy. You can go check that out at Moneyline at PodcastArena.com. We covered uh, Mock My Mock. Uh, this week I drafted out of the number two spot, and you can kind of see what your team will look like when you draft in that spot and what other players will be coming back to you at the turn there. So you can definitely check that out on Podcast Arena as well. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Moneyline97.5 and uh, give ESPN a follow too at ESPN97.5. We, we put a lot of content out of there. A lot of our sports map content comes out of there. Jerry and I both write fantasy and gambling content for sports map. So definitely go check out sports map. And we just talked about uh, Jerry's uh, NFL Futures article and you can go see that on Sports Map and kind of see what Jerry thinks about the the Rookie of the Year and the MVP and the Super Bowl odds. But uh, I figured this segment we would we kind of continue with wide receiver, and we kind of got to the guys right under the top tier, the guys that you're not sure about, the Amari Coopers of the world, the Larry Fitzgeralds. We talked about them and, and where you're you're comfortable taking those guys, and we talked a lot about Stephon Diggs. We think he's going to have a nice year, but. What do you think? Like maybe Thielen more touchdowns, but Diggs more yards. Is that fair? I think that's fair to say. And again, with Dalvin Cook coming back, also some of those receptions will be uh, eaten up by him because he is a catch passing back. So, what do you think? Who do you think ultimately scores the most fantasy points, Cameron? Man, that's tricky because I, I had both these guys last year, and you know, like you said earlier, Diggs is more of the big play guy. You know, he's a guy that can get you forty week or forty weeks, forty points in one week, and then be a dead the next week. And Thielen's more consistent, but I think with Kirk Cousins being a, a better passer than what they they consistently had last year, I think Diggs is is going to blow up to that that one guy this year. I know Thielen was it was the number one guy last year and, and and most of the year before that, but I think this is Diggs' year with Kirk Cousins because. Kirk Cousins can air the ball deep. We, I mean, we've seen it in Washington, so I'm going to go with Diggs on this one. All right, that makes sense to me. Let's, let's look at this next tier. And these guys are going oh, around 40, 40, 41, 42, 43. That's where their ADP is. And the guys I'm talking about in that order, Demarius Thomas, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then Golden Tate. So I'll just narrow it down to those guys. And you can automatically see the things they have in common, right? Like you're not that excited about Demarius Thomas because he's getting older, new quarterback. Allen Robinson's on a brand new team. So there's some risk there. You don't, you don't know what to expect with him and the Bears. Brandon Cooks, an, another guy on a new team. And Juju Smith-Schuster is a, a young guy that's kind of unproven. So that's why you see these guys push down a little bit because there's some uncertainty and then golden Tate right behind Smith Schuster. And to me, he's, he's Mr. Consistent. Like you're not going to be excited about golden Tate. Like, Oh man, I can't wait to start golden Tate this year. Cause what he'll probably have maybe a thousand yards and five touchdowns, something like that. But he's going to have a lot of catches. If you're in a PPR 
Golden Tate's probably going to catch 90 balls. So you, you like that safety in the catches for him. Anybody out of that group that you're more excited about the other? Demarius Thomas, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, uh, Smith-Schuster, and Golden Tate. I don't know if excited would be the word, but I'm curious to see what happens with Demarius as he has consistently for the last three years dropped yards, touches, touchdowns, everything. But is that a product of what he's had thrown on the ball? Is it his fault? I mean, I've heard out of camp that they're trying to line him up in different spots to broaden his 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 skill set. For a while there, Demarius Thomas was a very good um he was a reliable, let's say. Yeah. He, he was when you put him in your roster, you can expect him to get his. Him and, and Emmanuel Sanders, you would put him in and say, "Hey, these guys, I mean, they're going to get you 10, 12 points consistently." What's your thoughts on uh, Demarius Cam? Pretty much the same as yours. I mean, you know, this was a guy that you could argue was worth drafting in the top two rounds not two or three years ago, and every single year, along with his, his counterpart, Emmanuel Sanders, their production has just slipped mostly because of the quarterbacks they've had behind the helm, and now they have Case Keenum. But are we going to have the Case Keenum from last year, or are we going to have the Case Keenum who has a good year, then he's kind of unheard of the following year? So... For me, out of all the ones we just listed, I, the most upside for me is Brandon Cooks. I mean, this is a guy that's got 1,000 yards with every single team he's gone to, and I think Jared Goff has a lot of promise. So I'm, I'm probably staying away. If it came down to those guys, Cooks is the one that I'm taking over, Demarius Thomas. Yeah, I mean, he's got the upside for sure. The only thing that terrifies me about Brandon Cooks is if he steps into that Sammy Watkins role, and we kind of talked about that earlier to where – he often the quarterback doesn't often read to that side of the field and the way their offense they like to get the ball to Woods and they like to get it over the middle to Cooper Cup a lot. Gurley caught a lot more passes last year than he did the year before, so I just worry is is Cooks just going to be kind of a a decoy, you know, where they just kind of send him down the field to you know make the safety respect him and then that allows him to, to dump down over the middle. So that's my only concern there. But they did lock him up to a lot of money and a big deal. I mean you got to think they want to use him. So I get why you like him there. He is a sexier name than a recycled Demarius Thomas. Something you rarely see is when various wide receivers, as in let's say three, hold 20, over 20% of the target share. And last year in the Rams, Cooper Cup, Woods, Sammy Watkins all had over 20%, with Watkins being the least out of all of them. He was almost the forgotten guy, but his role should be different where he is now. Who else is that bigger body there as far as because we know Tyreek Hill is going to get his, but his his touchdowns come on bombs of th- uh, plus 30-yard touchdowns. You know what I mean? They need a big body, a reliable one, and I think that's what they'll look f- to use Sammy for. But speaking of reliable bodies and around that wide receiver range, I like Mike Williams quite a bit. Coming off the uh, injury-plagued rookie season, we never really got to see what, what he was going to be. But we all know that Phillip Rivers needs that big target. 6'4", 218 pounds, Mike Williams. We saw him just uh, the other night in the second preseason game get a touchdown. And I think we'll be seeing a lot of that in the red zone this year from him. What's your thoughts on Mike Williams? Man, I like him. I worry that uh, Tyrell Williams, the other big receiver mm-hmm. on the squad, I think he got a touchdown in that preseason game also. 
So that concerns me a little bit because you also have Travis Benjamin there who's more of like the deep shot guy. He's a smaller guy. And then, of course, Keenan Allen's going to be your stud, your main guy that you feed the ball to. So, But I like Mike Williams because he's – he costs you like nothing. You can get him in the double-digit rounds. He's he's going very late. Um, he might sneak up the ADP a little bit there after catching that touchdown uh, the other night, but he, he's a guy you can take a flyer on late, and you know Rivers is going to throw the ball. So I like the value there because if you know if if he amounts to nothing, he's a ninth, tenth round pick. You cut him and you pick up somebody else. That's not going to kill your fantasy team. Yeah, look, the, the Chargers are my team, and every year they're wide receivers terrify me because none of them can play a full season we saw Keenan Allen finally do it monster year Travis Benjamin gets hurt all the time both Williams have been hurt but for me the reason why Williams I think is a good pick is because now that they lost Hunter Henry yeah they don't really have that big target in the end zone and with Mike Williams being 6'5 he's the biggest receiver out of all so I kind of feel like he's gonna obviously he's not gonna play tight end but I feel like he's gonna be kind of that that guy that's gonna get most of the the end zone look so and I they, think that's where his value is going to be seen. Yeah, and to your point, they, they still haven't signed Antonio Gates. I know they, they were talking about it, and maybe he's just trying to avoid training camp and will just show up after all the, the running and all the hard yeah, work. Yeah, I'm like, can we get somebody in there besides Virgil Green? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, what's going on here? I'm with you. I, I like Mike Williams. He's one of those guys I target as a, like a lotto ticket late in drafts, and he'll continue to be. The, the other guys I kind of like in this area – Josh Gordon's uh, ADP is at 48. He's finally back with the Browns. That still terrifies me. Did you read the the statement? They were like, he may participate in meetings, but he may not participate in this. And, you know, this is all part of his plan to come back, and it's part of the, the protocol and the punishment. And it's so unclear on, on what's going on there. And, man, to have to take him at 48 overall – like, that scares the hell out of me. And that's the last thing you want from a team that has so many question marks. It, they lack, quest, uh, they lack a, a leader, you know what I mean? They lack someone to tell them, hey, this isn't the way. And we saw Landry try to do that in the Hard Knocks yeah. episode one because he, he feels that. And he doesn't exactly come from a winning franchise over there in Miami. But, okay, and just just take that into perspective. If he didn't come from a winning mentality, a team in, in, in Miami, and in just his little time in Cleveland, he felt the vibe was that much worse than something is wrong in Cleveland. And it's like we give Josh Gordon this, this respect, this, I don't know, we give him leeway for something that he's, I mean, is this normal? Is this something that we should be worrying about for, for a player that's had so many problems? You figure, like, you know, when you got in trouble back in the day when you were a kid, like, you, you, you walked on thin ice. You were on your P's and Q's. This guy comes back, and now we have to wait on him to be ready? Yeah, and that's, you know, we talked about taking Mike Williams, and he won't kill you, right, because you're taking him in the ninth round, tenth round. Man, if you take Josh Gordon in the fourth round and he's a nothing, that might kill your team. I mean, fourth-round picks are very valuable. For sure. So is there any other receivers in that range that you would like to touch on, Josh, before we get out of here? Uh Yes, and it, just real quick, I, I like the value of Chris Hogan. He's going around 66th overall right now, so I think he's going to creep up. You might have to take him in the fifth round now. I've been getting him in the sixth consistently. So that, that's somebody that I like the value there. They, they're lining him up everywhere, so I'm excited about that. And then 
you know, now that's about it in that range for me. I kind of like Kenny Stills, and like again, he's not a guy that's that's sexy at all. But just look at the Dolphins receiving group as a whole, and it's with Devonte Parker question mark. I'm done with him. Yeah, I'm, he's dead to me. He should have been. He should have been on that funeral. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> again, and then and then you do have Danny Amendola, but uh, you know the 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 injuries with him and. Is he going to last? I mean, uh, doubt it. Training camp says that he's been doing wonderfully in that offense, but I think it's just more that they needed someone with sure hands, and they're just happy to see someone that has something. When you get Kenny Stills up there as potentially being your number one, and he's getting drafted so late, Miami has the uh, ninth overall easiest uh, schedule, strength of schedule against receivers. Kenny Stills is going to have opportunity. Again, I'm not saying it like he's a household name or he's going to be somebody you're going to be excited about. But you'll be excited in weeks when you look at the final uh, score and you see that he uh, was the one that helped you win. And he costs you nothing. He's going right now. His ADP is 120. <laughs> I, mean, just, I mean, and he's probably going to be the number one receiver there. 120 for a number one. Imagine that. That's, the, that, that's crazy. It's just crazy. I agree. I mean, I think I'd put him somewhere around the 100 range. I'm not going 120. So I'd, I'd take him, you know. You know, ninth, tenth round, somewhere, somewhere in that area. Devontae Parker, I'm done with him. So, yeah, I think – and Stills is banged up right now, too. So, we got to – you know, everybody beware. He's, he's a little nicked up, but I think he'll be ready to go when the season starts. Uh-oh. Sound the alarms, Josh. It's time to get out of here. Uh-oh. What's going on, man? So, every week we will end the show – when you hear this sound with things that we want to put our name on, something that we have a lot of trust in. What's something you want to put your name on this week, Josh? I am going back to New England to Tom Brady, Tommy Brady and the New England Patriots. And uh, I think I went a little Irish there for a second. But uh, I'm going to go with Chris Hogan. And it's because you can get him in the fifth or sixth round. He caught another touchdown the other day. He's looking great. You know Edelman suspended for the four, the first four weeks of the season. Their running back group, well, we know most of them are dead. So they're going to have to throw the ball. I don't think their defense is good at all in New England. So I think Brady's going to be chasing points. I love Chris Hogan. They're lining him up in the slot. They're putting him outside. I think he's going to be the dude, at least for the first half of the season. And I think he can hold on as long as he's healthy. Put my name on Chris Hogan. Put some respect on Chris Hogan. Cam, put your name on something for the people. I'm going to go a little outside of the box on this one and go more of a stretch. I'm going to put my name on my guy, Ricky Seals-Jones, nice. wide receiver yep. slash tight end from Arizona. He's going to be a safety blanket for Sam Bradford. He's a monster, like 6'6", like 240. They really don't have anybody else there besides Larry Fitzgerald, and the ones that are there can't stay healthy. Is the running back going to stay healthy? Who knows? So put my name on Ricky Seals-Jones to be a that sleeper tight end pick that I think is going to finish in the top eight. Jerry? And I want to put my name on a win total. It's been taken down for many places with the LaShawn McCoy news, but six and a half wins for the Buffalo Bills this year seems not feasible for me, and... <laughs> I don't see how they get there. And now it could change with the news, but I got a feeling that he might fight it all year long and you will get him and you won't even get him fully focused. And once it gets towards the end of the year, he's dealing with court problems or whatnot. They got a losing record. The morale's down. What happens? He's going to pack it in and there's no way that Buffalo gets to six and a half wins. Put my name on it under. 
There you have it. The under on the Buffalo Bills. Not a big surprise there. Uh, McCarron's out with the uh, the collarbone injury, so it's probably going to be Allen that's going to be the quarterback there, unless Nate Peterson surprises. So there you go. Take the under on the Bills. We got Seals Jones and Chris Hogan for me. So those Put are the names. That's we're putting our names on those guys this week. We'll have some more for you guys next week. We want to thank you guys for listening. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. You guys have a great afternoon. Peace. Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975.